chapter 16. <clears throat> We're going to read a little story here about Paul and Silas being uh, thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. And um, <clears throat> we'll pick it up in verse uh, 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. That's Paul and Silas's clothes, not their own. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. And who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made them their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about salvation today. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we people who believe the Bible, we can get a bit cute sometimes talking about Bible terms. And other people quite often don't have a clue what we're talking about. And um, one of these terms is salvation, or about getting saved. And um, I'm just uh, thinking about these um, people here, Paul and Silas, and of course particularly the, the, uh, the jailer, and uh, he wanted to know how he could get saved. Now, he'd just been saved from killing himself because, um, you know, his duty was to defend... Uh, to make sure those prisoners stayed in there and if he didn't uh, kill himself or well, when his authorities got hold of him, well, they would kill him uh, and uh, make him suffer in the process. And so he had uh, had a salvation experience in a natural sense, if you like. But obviously it was more to it than this. He uh, understood that, that he was dealing with some people who knew a God who performed great miracles the same God that makes the rain, that put out fires, had uh, made the earthquake come to uh, open the prison doors and to set them free from where they were bound in the stocks and so on. And uh, he understood that there was a spiritual need here, that even though he had been delivered physically, and Paul and Silas had been delivered physically, that he needed to be saved spiritually. There was something deeper than all this. Anyway, we're going to read where Paul gave him the answer. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house, or your whole family. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed his stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway, when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. I know that some people who don't like uh, us talking about getting baptized and receiving the Holy Spirit said, there, there you are, all you have to do is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Now let's get it in its context here. 
these people, this jailer, he didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. It was something entirely new to him. And so Paul said to him, you've got to believe in the gospel story. And so he expounded the gospel story to him, and he told him about Jesus Christ coming to this earth, no doubt, starting from the beginning, how he was miraculously born of a virgin, and uh, fathered by the Holy Ghost, and how that he had uh, grown to manhood, and he'd been uh, down to the River Jordan, and how that he'd been, uh, the Spirit of God had come upon him when John the Baptist baptized him, and how he went out and preached to many people, and leading up to the fact that after three and a half years of ministry, he was crucified, and he died for the sins of mankind, but God raised him from the dead, and Paul would have been touching on all of these things, and uh, and then he would also have told him about being born again, the water and of the Spirit. So when he believed this, as Paul told him to do, what did he do? He got baptized. And sometimes people have used this to say, well, look, uh, you know, children uh, can be baptized. Well, these children were old enough to believe, are old enough to make their own stand and got baptized. And, uh, of course, they would have received the Holy Spirit as well because that's part of the gospel story. So they, he had to get saved. He and his whole family had to get saved. Well, people aren't saved. Well, saved from what? And so we might just have a, a little bit of um, a few more scriptures here. We'll go back to Mark 16 for a start, right back uh, at the end of uh, Mark's gospel, chapter 16. We read in verse 15 that Jesus said to his disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go and tell everybody the good news. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now the ones who believed the gospel would have miracles following them. They would be delivered from evil. They would be delivered from sickness. They would be delivered from other nasty things like snake bite or poison and so on. And of course they would also have this amazing sign of speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit came within them. So this is all wrapped up in the package of believing the gospel. And uh, we must never uh, water down the gospel in any way. We, we need all of these things. I um, had a phone call this morning from uh, a sister um, you know, in another little group, and she was telling me about this lady who um, <clears throat> got baptized a little while ago. And um, I met this lady, and she just didn't seem to understand much. She comes from another country. And it doesn't understand their language very well. But recently, a couple of weeks ago, she received the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, she's taken off. She understands what it's all about. She realizes the circumstances that she's in uh, are not uh, scripturally correct. And she's leaping out of that and so on. And it just really adds weight to the teaching that we have that without the Holy Spirit, people aren't going anywhere. They don't understand, and uh, now the Lord is, has opened her eyes to all these things, and uh, she's really getting her life in order and all that sort of thing.
Anyway, praise the Lord. We need to we need to get believed, we need to get baptized, we need to receive the Holy Spirit. But getting back to the question, what are we being saved from? Go to we'll go to Matthew chapter one, right at the beginning of the gospel story here, when uh, <coughs> the angel uh, came to announce that uh, Jesus Christ uh, was to be born, and um, <coughs> uh, Joseph was engaged to Mary and uh, they hadn't been together in a physical way uh, and uh, they were going to get married and uh, and then um, Mary uh, proved to be expecting a child and uh, of course uh, uh, we read here or we better read the whole story verse 18 that the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph because they before they came together uh, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And when Joseph, her husband, or husband-to-be it means really, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, our son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus which means Saviour, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now this is what people need to be saved from, all of us. In God's plan of things, he has a place which we refer to as heaven, which is much better than down here. And it's pure. There's, there's no corruption there. There's no bad things happening. And if we want to be in that state, we have to be saved from our sin and we have to be born again so that we can qualify to enter into the kingdom of heaven so that when this life is is all over and the Lord comes back and we're all singing with the angel band and all that sort of thing. I like that one too, sister. It's a great chorus. And, uh, well, we're going to be able to be there having been purified by the Lord having saved us, delivered us from the sin, the bad things we've done wrong. Sin is simply those things which offend God, all the things that we've ever done, and there's a, a huge list of them. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We mightn't all be murderers, we mightn't all be adulterers, we mightn't all be thieves, but we have all broken at least one of the commandments, and many of us have broken most of them. And we need to be saved from that. And that's what Jesus Christ came to do. And if you're thinking about these things today, the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to come to him and he wants you to repent of your sins. He wants you to get baptized in water. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit so you can be changed from within and become a new creature in Christ. Let's go to the Gospel of uh, John now. And, uh, <coughs> and not John, Luke, sorry. Luke chapter 10. There's a wonderful parable that Jesus told me. A parable is a story about generally about everyday events which could easily have happened, but the Lord used this to illustrate an important spiritual point. And so somebody came to him and was testing him out and trying to ask him difficult questions. And he answered the question with a story. And... Um, well, we read from verse 25, a certain lawyer stood up and cross-examined him, we might say. 
and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? What do you read? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbour as thyself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered right, this do, and you will live. Good answer, Jesus said. But of course, he wasn't satisfied. But he, willing to justify himself, as, you know, natural people always do, it's just a natural thing. We're accused of something, or something, uh, we're challenged about something, we want to justify ourselves. That's not the way to go. The Lord wants us to humble ourselves and to submit to him. And even if we think that we may have been misjudged, we should just humble ourselves and let God sort it out. He willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbour? So this was the illustration to talk about who your neighbour is. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now they would have all known these places. Jerusalem was the capital. Jericho was down the track, down by the, Red, uh, the Dead Sea there rather. And, um, and so it was, uh, you know, not a huge journey. I don't know the exact distance. I asked Pastor Jock, he'd been there. Uh, but uh, it was not all that far. Anyway, he was walking down this way. And he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever you spend more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Uh, which, now of these three, thinkest thou was neighbour unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. So it's a lot in this story. Jesus Christ uh, was just so wonderfully wise and clever in the things that he said and the answers that he gave. And he was pointing out quite a lot of things here. But what I'm wanting to dwell on here is the fact that this man needed to be saved from his predicament. He was lying there by the side of the road. He had been badly treated by life. He had been mugged. He uh, was in a precarious situation. He might have died there by the side of the road if somebody didn't come along and help him. And this <clears throat> is what happens to lots of people. May not, uh, maybe not necessarily in the physical sense. We may not be... Um, you know, sort of lying by the side of the road and, you know, in the literal sense and so on. But, you know, life has a bad effect on a lot of people. You know, we, we get really knocked around, you know, even by family members, by circumstances, by, you know, friends and, uh, and you know, workmates and, you know, all that happens, uh, you know, sickness and all sorts of things come our way. And... Uh, there's a lot of noise going on out today. 
anyone sort of go out and church the kids a bit or something? Shut a door or two? Okay. You might hear it, but I can't. Thank you. We, we, we love our children. We'd love them to be a little... I think probably just a door not shut somewhere or other. Okay. So, we, we have all these problems. And uh, we are being knocked around. And we read, first of all here, how that there was a priest came along. But he didn't help him. And there was a Levite that came along, and he didn't help him either. These were well-known religious types in their community. And it has its parallel in our day as well, because there are a lot of people who are religious, but they don't actually help people. They, all they can do is sort of run through a religious ritual, they can you know, wave some incense over them, they can say the last rites, they can tell you to confess all your sins or whatever, or they can lecture you on what the law says and all this sort of thing. But as far as actually getting to the root of the problem and helping people, quite often religion doesn't help them at all. But then there is another person that comes on the scene. He's a Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans were sort of a mixed race of people, and they were despised by the Jews. And Jesus deliberately chose this, and he was really in parallel talking about himself. And he was saying that uh, he would come along and he would help them. He would set them free from their problems. And he poured in the oil and the wine. Now, <clears throat> the oil was to, to soothe and to heal. The wine was uh, to cleanse and to be an antiseptic and so on. And this is, of course, the Holy Spirit that people pours, that is poured into people's lives to, uh, to, to set them free from their, their circumstances and to bring about the healing process and all this sort of thing. But then what I'm leading up to here, he then brought him to an inn. It was a uh, like a public boarding house type of place. And what the Lord is really saying to us, that's what happened. We were out there on the side of the road. We were knocked around by circumstances in life. Jesus Christ came to us. Someone came and told us about him. He came into our life in the form of the Holy Spirit. He healed us. He cleansed us. He disinfected us, if you like. We were washed clean and so on. And he brought us to an inn. He brought us to a church. He brought us to a place of fellowship. He brought us to a safe house. We were saved from what we were in. Not to just to be you know, given a, a drink of water and left by the side of the road so that the next band of robbers might come along and knock us around again. We were brought to a safe house. And that's what salvation includes. Not just being, have our life saved to be left to drown again the next wave that comes along, but brought to shore. A number of illustrations that are used in the Bible, and we might look at another one in a moment. And so the Lord brought us into a church, a safe house, and that's where the Lord wants it to be, wants, wants the, the, the house to be, and He wants us to be. And we have a duty of care towards the people that come in. We're all a part of this safe house. You know, you have safe houses, all these 
stranger danger things that you hear about and all this sort of thing and you know you see little signs around the place and so on of uh, you know safety safe house and so on where children if they worried they can sort of go and knock on the door and somebody will be there to take them in and ring their mother up to come and get them and all this sort of thing because there's all sorts of nasties around that we didn't have to worry about when we were children and uh, these safe houses are, are, are good places to be and the sad thing is that churches were meant to be a safe house but as we've all sadly seen in publicity in recent times Many churches have not been a safe house at all. Some of the people in places of responsibility have really given religion a much worse name than it ever had before. And the Lord is saying to us that we've got to make sure that the house that we're in here is a safe house and that we are here to protect people that come in and that we do all make our contribution to make sure that we are godly people, that we have high moral standards, that we are watching out for each other, and we're, we've got a door open so that the people that are dying by the side of the road and somebody goes and picks them up and brings them in, it's going to be secure for them. As many of us, of course, have been reading in our papers and watching on the, the television news and so on, that uh, the terrible tragedy in New Orleans and people were told to, to go to the convention centre and other big places like this where they would be safe. They weren't. And part of the problem was, uh, you know, maybe it's been overly dramatised and so on, but uh, people that came in there are actually afflicting other people and there's all sorts of terrible things going on. Anyway, the Lord has provided a safe house. First of all, we're safe in him. And there's many stories in the Bible about how the Lord is our place of refuge and so on. We have been called into the Lord and we've been called into this inn, if you like, where we're there to help each other. Let's go now to John chapter 10. Now in this illustration, the Lord is saying that it's like a sheepfold, a, a place where sheep are brought into. And um, in olden days, you would have a shepherd who would literally live with his sheep. Talks about having a hundred sheep, and if one of them gets lost, he leaves the ninety-nine, goes and finds the one. He would we'd have a man here who had totally devoted his life to looking after a hundred sheep. And the Lord is saying that he's a good shepherd who devotes his life to looking after the sheep. We'll have a little look at a few verses here. Verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I lie in the doorway there to, uh, to watch over them, to protect them, and to make sure they know that they're safe from all 
the thieves and the robbers and the wild animals and so on. But all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So he said, if you go through me, you'll be safe and I'll protect you. If you listen to another, they're right there for the wrong reasons. The thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that's a hireling and not the shepherd, who's owned the sheep and not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep, and so on. So the Lord is the good shepherd. He provides a place of safety for us, and that's what's happened to us. We were wandering around. We heard the voice of the Lord. The gospel was preached to us, and some of us didn't even know what we were looking for, but deep down, we wanted to know the truth. We heard the gospel. We came. We repented. We got baptized. We received the Holy Spirit. We were brought into the sheepfold, and the Lord was there looking after us, and he's still there looking after us, and he said if you want to go out into the world and to talk to people there, go out through him and come back through him so that you are watched over all the time. But don't go climbing out out through the window. Don't doing it, go doing it some other way. Recognize that you've got to be in this safe place. There are so many nasty things uh, that happen and uh, we've got to do it the Lord's way. One of the reasons that sort of got me thinking along this line was uh, um, Sister Helen Duncan, Pastor Jock's wife, was in the op shop the other day and she was talking to a lady who um, had um, uh, had some had received the Holy Spirit uh, many years ago in another group and hadn't been for a long time. But I think the story is that she uh, daughter died and she's got a, a young grandson that she is... Um, needing to look after and she was just so thrilled to hear what she was being told by the ladies down there and uh, she wants to go to a house meeting I think this week and uh, she might be coming to a Sunday night meeting and so on uh, because she feels the responsibility she wants somewhere safe for her grandson to grow up in and uh, well that's what we'd like to offer her, a place where she can bring her children, her grandchildren, and she can come herself and feel safe because there's lots of places out there that are not safe. And that's why we are so meticulous about trying to always do it the Bible way, to always quote scripture, to go by what the Bible says rather than by our emotions or what we feel or what the latest fad is around the place and so on. To do it the safe way is to do it the Bible way. <coughs> Good on you, Taj. Good. Okay. Got him to do that, so take that out. Anyway, praise the Lord. Titus chapter 3. Just a reminder here of what we were saved from and how... It happened. Titus 3, verse 3. For we sometimes, we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, 
serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So that's the sort of background that we came from. Now, we mightn't all have been stupid, although most of us, if we're honest, could think of some pretty stupid things we did. We mightn't have all been disobedient, but if we're honest, I think we'd have to say we were. We were certainly deceived. We were chasing up all sorts of pleasures and lustful things. And we were involved in with people who were pretty nasty types, some of them, and we might have been in the same category ourselves. There was envy and hate and all this sort of thing. But something's happened to us. We've been changed. We've been brought into a stadium now where harmony prevails, or it should. And we read that after that the kindness and love of God our Saviour toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Saviour. What's happened to us? You know, people come up here and they bring their testimony. And, and I find it just amazing to hear the stories of some of you when you admit the terrible things you did. And, uh, you know, sweet sisters in the Lord who tell us how that they used to have a vile temper and how that they used to smoke like a steam train and they used to curse and swear at their children and all this sort of thing. To me, what I know of them now, they're not like that. They're just so opposite to what they used to be. You know, guys who, you know, love their, their wife and their children and they're as gentle as, uh, as can be, and yet they say, oh, before I came to the Lord, I used to have an alcohol problem and I'm so ashamed of the terrible things that I, I did to people and so on. Miraculous change in people's life. And they are now safe people to be around. Whereas you've taken your life in your hands if, uh, you know, had to get around treading on eggshells when they're in a bad mood before and so on. These are real stories of what's happened to people, of how they've been changed. They have been saved from the terrible nature that they were displaying before. And how did it happen? It was through God's mercy. We didn't do it ourselves. We didn't deserve it. But God was kind to us. He loved us. He cared about us. He sent his son for us. And we were washed. We got baptized in water. We received the Holy Spirit. We spoke in tongues. And a tremendous change came over our lives. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I better keep going. Uh, yeah, we'll go to, to uh, Psalm 91. Verse 1. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This little secret here. This is a you know, secret chamber that it talks about, and it, it is a great secret. We, we don't want it to be a secret, but the devil wants to keep it from other people. You know, the majority of people out there, you know, think that we're you know, we're either stark raving mad, or if they're kind, but we're just sort of some quaint little group of people that sort of 
get together and sit around and sing nice little songs about Jesus and so on. But, you know, we just know ourselves what we've come from and what we've found here now, and uh, we want to share this, uh, this secret with other people, but they don't want to hear it. They've, their eyes have been blinded, they've stopped their ears and so on. But anyway, if they don't want to hear about it, well, we'll keep on trying to tell them, but let us make the most of what we've been called into here. We're in this place where we're under the shadow of the Almighty. God is putting his protection over us. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. It goes on to talk about all of the things that he'll deliver us from. He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Uh, according to my uh, understanding of that term there, means a disgusting, deadly, epidemic disease. And there's plenty of them around these days. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. You will not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes uh, at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. You'll be in a safe place. Praise the Lord. That's what God's called us to. You can read the rest of the chapter if you want it for homework. Okay, let's go to Revelation 21. That's a good place to finish. Nearly running out of Bible when you get over there. Revelation 21. And we've been talking about, you know, the salvation that we enter into here. You know, the, 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 the deliverance that we have here. But about the future. You know, sister was talking about, you know, when the Lord comes back and so on. Now, we're going to read a few verses here about this incredibly wonderful place that God calls the New Jerusalem. Revelation 21 verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, that's the apostle, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. This wonderful place that God has prepared for us, that we're going into soon when the Lord returns. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He said, It is done, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. It goes on with many more wonderful things. We'll go to chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, 
and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. What a wonderful place that God has prepared for us, so different to what it is down here at the moment for many people. We go over to verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Not everyone's going to be able to go in. As we go on to read, there are certain people who are going to be turned away. But without, those who are not allowed entry are dogs. Anyway, you can't take your dog with you. No, it's talking about unbelievers in this sense here. And sorcerers, that's an interesting word if you look up the Greek meaning of this. Um, pharmakos in the Greek, it's um, a drug, a uh, spell-giving uh, potion, or a, a druggist, or a poisoner. This is talking about drug dealers. And, uh, <coughs> and you know, this day in which we live, there's so much trouble caused by this. I understand that some of the problems in uh, New Orleans at the moment are because there are drug addicts who can't get a fix. And, uh, and that's why they've gone berserk and doing all these horrible things and so on. And uh, so this is the world out there. And uh, the Lord says, that's not the sort of things that are going to be brought into the kingdom of God. Some of us were doing some of these things before, but the Lord delivered us. We read in 1 Corinthians 6, And such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so outside of there, and all of these immoral people, and violent people, murderers, and idolaters, or, you know, covetousness, greedy, and so on, and whosoever loveth, and make it a lie. All the deceit and corruption and violence is, is going to be left outside. And I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I'm the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that hears say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. The invitation is still there. The gate is still open, provided you go through on God's terms. You repent, you get baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit and find the Lord will deliver you from these things and you can leave your old life behind and you can have a right of entry through the gates into this wonderful city where we can live with the Lord forever and ever and all the people said, Amen. Amen.